Leave it in color. It's the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. We are live on Sportsnet 590, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet Plus from 4 to 6, as always. Off the rails Friday? Yeah. Just... Yes. You and me. Is this what it feels like to be an empty nester? Is this is this you and your wife at home right now with all the kids gone? Just We don't have McKee today. In... Our, our boys... For producer up. Sammy McKee, Mark Boffo. Terrific guy. Shout out, Boffs. Listens. Like, oh, the, have you seen the objective. lineup today? The lineup's so good. They're so good I on mean, a Friday. Like, if you put this beside Sammy's lineup, I mean, Sammy'd have to answer some questions. Derek Brandeo and Jen Rolick. <laughs> I'm thrilled. As always uh, on the program. Now, if someone texts 590-590, who gets it? It's the old, like, tree falling in a forest. <laughs> if does no just, one ever sees it, does it? Brandeo does it, says it, he'll see it. it. It floats. It just floats. It's just gone. It's in the cloud. No, I oh, your phone's talking oh, to us. Oh, I'm getting talked to. We we gotta have kangaroo court. We uh we will take your tax. We even will. though Boff's can actually JB and I don't have a clue how it'll work. Uh Derek says that uh he'll pass on his uh whatever you write to us. So on this Friday, please feel free in the next two hours. But uh, as JB alluded to, we have a terrific show. Gord Stellick in about ten minutes will explain what the heck we saw. Last night at Scotiabank Arena. Do you have any A answers? number of games we watched last night. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that? What was that Leafs game, Kip? Uh, they do that on purpose because they knew we were coming back to do a regional game, me and you. They did, yeah. And they just said, let's keep the boys guessing. I mean, we saw two periods of the worst hockey the Leafs have played, I don't know, since you and I have had a show. Followed up by a five-goal period. Leafs rally from a 5 nothing deficit in the third period. Come oh so close only to lose 6-5 in overtime to the Columbus Blue Jackets. We, the three of us, yesterday talked about a team on occasion playing down to their opponents. We did forecast. And like, like clockwork. Mm-hmm. Like a... Like a like a German train right <laughs> on schedule. We should talk about, you know, the fact that we made some excuses for them. And not made excuses. We presented very fair reasons why they may have looked off. Th- third game in four nights. Coming off some travel to New York for, for back-to-back tough games there. Flu running through the team. Missing a couple of guys. Couple of injuries on the back end. You know, you could see why they might feel imperfect, but that was for television. We got we have time. To we be we more. got we got a ton of ideas on uh, on what we saw, but let's let's go to Sheldon Keith sure. uh, for our first Kippers Clipper on basically what he saw last night. We asked them to work in the third period, not go away, give our fans something something to feel good about in the third period, and wanted ourselves to be proud of of what we put forth in the third period. We just talked, you know, we didn't talk about coming back in the game or anything like that. We just we talked about competing. We talked about stopping the bleeding defensively and working, you know, working our way back. Are you surprised that he wasn't more critical? You think it was completely warranted to just 
He's not shrugging it off, but he's not really focusing on how ugly that first 40 minutes was. Yeah. You know, you and I have also talked about the idea that you only have so many bullets and you have to know when to fire them, you know, when your team should give you more. Obviously, Columbus is a bad team, but do you think it's possible that that was a product of all the excuses I gave off the top of the show, that he was like, this is just not the time to ask for more. They don't have it tonight? For me, it was abundantly clear. And, yeah, those intercepted passes, Mm -hmm. right? And it was led by at the start with Max Domi's trying to get back to McCabe only to have it intercepted by Johnson to Patrick Liney. Boom. Yeah. In the net. And outside of those really bad mistakes. And again, Morgan Riley ringing the puck around the boards. Gregor six zones ahead. Nowhere to be found. Yeah. Like they weren't moving. Yeah. It was like they were in quicksand. So yeah, they had a scheduled practice today that got canceled with for good reason. Yeah. Like why are you dragging them back to the rink when their 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 tongues were hanging out for the first forty minutes? I haven't even checked ice times from last night, but we saw that Mitch Marner played ten minutes of the third period last night. Yeah. Which, you know, a game like that, uh Columbus on a Thursday, you're down five going into the period, you think he's gonna play two minutes. It's a lot. Uh I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, I'd I'd make a good coach, because, and you've pointed this out. Yeah. Because you've worked with Sheldon Keefe, and there would have been a part of me last night that would have said that. None of you I'm, play. I'm not. Ahead. I don't know. Does this make me a bad coach or a bad person to sit there and say for the greater good moving forward? I'm not going to play Mitch Marner 10 minutes to try to save a point or two. I just, I'm not doing it. You know, if you look at other sports now, like look at the NBA. They sit out their best players for whole games on purpose. So I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that if your game is out of reach, even though it wasn't, but presumably out of reach at 5 nothing, I don't think it's unreasonable to say, you know, we're just going to not play Mitch in the third. You know, we're going to let these guys sit this one out. So I see your point. Okay, let's welcome into Gord Stalick, and we'll pick up that uh, conversation with Gord. Former general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, does a terrific jo- job for us always on the fan. Gord, thanks for thanks for joining us. And uh, I think you're probably as, as much perplexed as we are a little bit in terms of the same song and dance on opponents that are – 25th or or lower in the league and the points that the Leafs have given up over the last few years. It's, it's mind boggling. So first of all, you know, I think maybe if you had seasons tickets, this was the one game you gave away to somebody. And maybe that's why there were so many fans there in the third period. Cause I thought after five, nothing, yeah. I was, I was a little surprised, you know, but uh, Kippy and Justin, this remember the playoffs in the bubble, and they came back too little, too late against Columbus, and uh, and and Columbus won that game. Yeah. And here we are, how many years later, and we're riding that same kind of roll, roller coaster far too often. So you know, I do, and you know, Justin, your point about there's only so many bullets that uh, it's one eighty second of the season. So Sheldon Keith, you know, really has to pick and choose when he's going to go negative after a game. But yeah, this 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 roller coaster ride, it, it was fun in the third period. 
it generally doesn't work in the playoffs. No, it's not a great long-term plan, but, you know, it is fascinating. And I talked to some uh, Leafs fans who are pretty impressed with the resilience of the team. Like, and let's be honest, that's a great rollover third period for a lot of teams to just say, ah, it's not there tonight. This team has uh, been trailing after the first period 12 times this year and have lost in regulation twice in those games. Ten times they fought their way back out of 12. So is there a PCU that goes, it's kind of a good thing that they're, you know, I, hold on now, I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that they're able to battle back in these or, games. Is, is your glass as half full as Justin's? No, Kippy, hey, come on, half full. Half full's right. I mean, to come back, seriously, from 5 nothing and tie at 5-5, five, five, yeah. arguably against the worst team in the NHL. So I give them some props. And again, to put the week in context, Joe Wall gets injured. He's your best goaltender. Martin Jones comes in, does a great job of uh, wrapping up the game in a tough game against Ottawa. They get the shutout on Saturday. Good trips to the island and against the New York Rangers. Uh, you know, great appearance of Samsonov on Saturday. Martin Jones filling the bill. So I think if you put it in context, the one game compared to the week and the expectations, the worries after Joe Wall got injured, then, you know, you got to keep perspective there. But let's see Saturday. Kyle Dubas comes in. What's what's your bounce back? What's your message? Home ice after that kind of effort. Are you going to come out strong for uh, against Pittsburgh? You know, we can't do this every single game. But uh, as a uh, coming back in the third period, I'm with Justin scoring five goals when you're down five nothing. And, you know, it does, did look like Friday night industrial hockey that I mean, that Columbus team was almost like the Los Angeles Chargers last night in the NFL game on Thursday <laughs> night, the way they played in the third period. But I, I was impressed by the ability to have that kind of offensive firepower. I get what you're saying, that you can't just expect to, to keep getting points like that. But it's, it's, as if they, it's as if they say to themselves that we can. And they're, I'm with you. No team should ever sleep on this offense. Yeah. But it's almost as if they believe it themselves. So they... They aren't too worried about maybe tightening up because they know they've got this explosive. Yeah, we'll turn it on if we need it later. Well, Save listen, the nitrous take, button. Take a look at our record, yeah. right? Look at the way we can score with uh, in late minutes, and it's a great feeling, Gord, to 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 tell yourself that uh, we're still in any games uh, trailing, but maybe the fact that you have this attitude that you're so good at it that you're not really that scared to to take a chance when you. When you need to tighten up. Well, it could be just this same team. And we're talking how many months ago, not a year ago, the final seven playoff games, they didn't score more than two goals. So you weren't able to dig down in that well. And against the Florida Panthers, it's a reason that you lost a series that a lot of people thought you should have won. And it's the same story every year, a disappointment this time, albeit in the second round rather than the first round. So I, I do agree in the big picture, just, you know, in the small picture, it was hell of a third period, hell of an overtime, entertaining game. But yes, if that is the mindset that we can play that way for 40 minutes, make it. And the funniest thing, it goes every level of hockey, even kids hockey, NHL hockey, and that line about sometimes teams aren't skating. It's baffling, but it happens all the time. And you just look and you go, we're not skating tonight, particularly that Leaf team that has that kind of speed and whatever. Like, why does that happen? If it happens too much, if it happens in the playoffs, you're going to have another disappointment. But yeah, you've got, uh, Kippy, I am keeping the perspective that you can't go, you got to keep in mind that you couldn't get those goals when you really needed them. 
I, I can't say it is a, uh, a mindset they have all the time. It is a dangerous mindset, but it certainly did show uh, at on certain times they've got that ability against Columbus. Yeah, and when you're not skating, I, you know, I think we talked about turnovers, Gord. That the not skating thing was really what led to a lot of it. You know, the, there's a Absolutely. lot of disconnect, and there's no one to pass to because no one's there's no short support. So looked a little ugly, and at times a lot of pressure on their goaltender as a result. Um, Samsonov gives up five, and they leave him in. And that was, you know, something we had talked about on the broadcast as sort of a point of contention. What are your thoughts? Do you want to listen to the audio with Gord here, or do you want to... Yeah, let's do it. Gord, not, we're, we're Gord, to... Gord has nothing better to do. <laughs> just going to listen to what Sheldon Keefe has to say I on... Got no, I got nowhere to go. I'm like an officer of a gentleman. I got nowhere to go. I'm Richard Gere. I got nowhere to go. It's uh, it's clip two on uh, being tempted to pull Sammy. Yeah, very. We, we, you know, like in the moment, in the second period, we talked. I thought, I thought, you know, I would just get through the second and talk about it, which we did. Curtis felt strongly that that he, uh, Sammy, should stay in and, uh, and and fight and battle with the team. And obviously, I'm glad that that was his advice, and I'm glad that's the decision that we made because uh, I like the fact that Sammy was a, a part of that comeback, and I like the fact that he made some saves for us early in that third too. Gord. Okay, well, well, hold on. Last night we did the game, Gord, uh, and I know, I know. Justin was real strong on keeping him in, and I was real strong on getting him the heck out. So be the tiebreaker here. Well, I know I agree with you, Kippy. I was stunned to see him, and uh, you know, and also I wasn't really wild about that overtime goal to tell you the truth. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, I know three on three. It's but still, I wasn't crazy about it. But uh, I, uh, w- I don't know. Curtis Sanford obviously knows more about the goaltender or whatever the psyche and and uh, it turned out to be uh although i don't think goaltending mattered for the least of the third period but whatever i think i think they were trying to send a message that it's on the team not on the goaltender about the way they played it and uh but yeah i was surprised but hey wouldn't you know it uh it it worked out but boy columbus thank god for columbus man i don't know what if they lost that game man it can't be a pleasant feeling right now anyway period but if they lost that game, that would have been incredibly ugly. But uh, yeah, uh, I um, yeah, I was surprised. But it was one of those games where it, it hey, it's like again, it's exciting. So I don't want to d- dump on it because people that that third period, I'm getting oh, we're texts like dump crazy. On it. <laughs> uh, you know, both about the excellent broadcast and the excellent panel, right. but also about the third period. I mean, people were jacked. Kip, I do want to get your thoughts because like. There is the idea where, you know, your parent catches you smoking a cigarette and they make you smoke the whole pack. Like, is this the, <laughs> was this the Leafs? Really? Was, was this the Leafs making Sammy smoke the whole pack? Like, uh, you know, two two periods that were so ugly, they're like, you finish it there, pal. <sighs> okay. Before we before go... Before the cigarette analogy? B- before the, yeah, we go into the uh, smoking the whole cigarettes here. But let me just ask you, and I'll tell you what stood out with me with his comment is that... Um, and, and I know there's been goalie coaches now for 20, 25 years, and, you know, that's not necessarily something new. But my era, man, it was just the head coach making the decision. For for Sheldon now to kind of tell us that Curtis Sanford made the call on him staying in that, to for me, sure is like, I, I don't know, man. You're the head I I don't want to hear that. And I don't want to hear we. We decided. You're the head coach, man. You're the general back there. That has to be you. Hmm. On you, 
everything. You can take as much advice as you want, but I'm making the call. Yeah. And I didn't get that last. I didn't get that from, from Sheldon. I, I, you know, I agree in this. Like, he's trying to show he uses the resources, but he's been around this town, and we got a fan base that has a, a baseball team that apparently nobody made the decision to pull the pitcher, okay? You right. know, and, and you saw how how that played out, the absurdity of the Toronto Jays and the, you know, not nobody apparently uh, taking charge about pulling a pitcher that never should have been pulled. So, yeah, I, I, I it's a little thing, but I agree with you, Kippy. Uh, I'm in charge. Okay, I may use someone as a resource, but ultimately I'm going to make the decision about the goaltending change. I, I just never heard of a parent making you smoke all the cigarettes if you're caught with one. <laughs> well, so what, like, what? So I've three. heard a parent say, don't go out in the cold and smoke. You can smoke the cigarette at the dining room table or something like that. <laughs> but to make poor Justin smoke 19 more cigarettes. It was a tough day. Hold on, Gord. We've got child services on line three for <laughs> Justin Bourne. <laughs> So here's the thing, though, because I think there is, I don't want to call it a generational divide, but a difference in a coach's role now. I think that the term in baseball of manager, you're managing all these different elements, but there's a pitching coach who makes some pitching coaching decisions, right, in-game about when a guy should come in and out. Having worked with Sheldon, I know that there's a PK guy, and Dean Chanouth would be running that, and a PP guy, and Guy Boucher would be doing that. The sleep guy is going to tell him, should we stay overnight in this city or not? The goalie coach is going to tell him who should I start tonight. What do you? He so there's some managing and delegating and in that role, and it's interesting to see if if you know what the different perspective is and if that's the right thing or if yeah, make the call. You got to be the guy at the end of the day. Are you responsible for the too many men or is it the players? Is it you know sets up for a lot of finger pointing if you ask me. It well, does, here, Kippy. But if you don't all, empower those people. Yeah. Yeah, well, the the sleep guy was trying to wake up the fans after forty minutes. So anyway, so he was busy <laughs> last night. But that was the wrong. other part, p- pointing fingers. You're one hundred percent right. Every sport, what do they do? Okay, I still think you're right. The the person has to be in charge, make the decisions. But the offensive or defensive coordinator is a convenient scapegoat. The pitch pitching or hitting coach is a convenient scapegoat, and some assistant coaches along the way. So it's no longer, to your point, whether it's a generational divide, all for one, one for all. I'm going to cover my ass, okay? And I'm going to throw Kippy out as my, uh, you know, PK coach because the PK is going wrong if it buys me a couple more months. But uh, that that's something that's changed. But uh, at, at the end, you should always present that the decisions are yours, I believe. I have seen Sheldon, like the power play is going wrong for five straight games, and he goes, you're not running the meeting today. I'm, it's not working. I'll do the power play meeting, you know, whatever it is. And so there's a point with the goaltender where I'm sure he'd say, okay, you're not getting it right. I'm going to make the call. We're talking to Gord Stellick, Toronto Maple Leaf analyst for Sportsnet 590, the fan, former general manager. I'm not done on this conversation because you're telling me that they showed Samsonov a, some tough love. Stay in there. Hang yeah. in there. Yet, after the game, they don't make him available to the media. Uh, okay? So, like, you you want to tell him, be a big boy here. Fight it out with hey, your Fight it out yourself. But we're not letting you talk to the media because we're sensitive that you're sensitive here. So that to me, like... Maybe they have a performance coach who they've empowered to say he doesn't need that. Come on, make him available. (laughs) Let him stand up there and and man up. You can't have your most sensitive guy be your goalie, eh, Gord? Yeah, and people will always say, oh, you media guys, you're clamoring because you're media. But that, no, 
like like uh, I've been on the other side as well. And part of the job is that you have to talk. As a matter of fact, apparently the NHL is now trying to uh, um, promote that even more because it's kind of falling behind some other leagues in that regard. And, you know, we know the quality players that are involved, the coaches, the kind of people. But you make it a story. Like when Connor Bedard didn't face the media after the Toronto game, he becomes a story. And the same thing here. It's easy. You don't have to say anything. You give your usual sound clips, sound bites. It's part of the game. But by not by ducking it now, you're giving some intrigue. And we've known, we've seen the worst of social media with the Chicago situation and others. So why would you feed that? Just feed the easy beast. Give us the sound bites that, you know, you guys, you, we, you play on your show and everything, all that easy peasy. But then when you duck something, people start now thinking things through and espousing things out there. Um, and it's unnecessary. So as far as the, the the progression here into Saturday, I'll go to you, JB, first, and then we'll we'll hear from Gord. But is did that decision lead to Samsonov Saturday night against Sidney Crosby? Uh, you know, I would do it. I would play Samsonov. I think I was saying last night he's played 12 or 13 games this season. You know, he had a pretty good third period for him to, to hang around. You, you know, the idea is that you're letting this guy play his way out of trouble. You, you don't benefit by playing Martin Jones. And what if Jones is good? What if he plays really well? You really complicate things for yourself. So, yeah, I'd go back to Sammy. I don't know about you, Gord. Well, wait, wait. You can't be afraid. What if Martin Jones is good? Yeah. That's good. Well, you know, what if my mom's good in your playoff Play guy? You so, know? you know, you're trying to solve playoff problems. So, uh, I'm well, it's a depth. Uh, getting Martin Jones, getting him through waivers, great move because they've added goaltending depth. And that seems to be the uh, – there's only one Vasilevsky. There's depth in Las Vegas – Death in Colorado. I thought that maybe they played him the full game because they want to start Martin Jones tomorrow. So I don't know which one it is. I don't have a problem either way, but I don't have a problem if Martin Jones is the starter tomorrow night. I have a problem if they if they come out the way they did the first 40 minutes against Columbus, because if you're talking about winning the Stanley Cup or being a Stanley Cup contender, that's not a habit you can do once again. Do you want to go right to Keith on that very thing? Okay, let's go to yeah, Sheldon. Clip three on why they can't play like that from the start. We had our game at different times. We just kind of lost our way. I thought we had, you know, like I said, we had the stick, uh, the puck on our stick three, three times, maybe four times on, before the first goal, and we failed to make a play on it. It's, and then that was sort of became the issue the rest of the period. Couldn't break out. Like, <laughs> couldn't get out of his own. It's a real hard game to play if you can't get your feet moving or, or can't make a play come out of your end. Um, and like I said, and now you're giving them the puck and. They have they have great skill. Like that's that's a young team that moves the puck extremely well. Lots of speed and confidence with the puck. And... Yeah, there's there's tons to clean up here. Yeah. Sorry guys, I just can't get this Samsonov thing out of my head <laughs> right it. now. So let me just ask you guys now. He had a bad training camp. Then it became give him a couple of weeks. Now a couple of weeks has become Christmas. How far do you go here, uh, like right to the trade deadline to get his game going? Is there a chance now, is, is there more of a chance now that he just doesn't rebound back this season than the first two weeks of let's wait and see? You know, at last check, he's 61st in the NHL in save percentage. Are you implying that maybe Martin Jones could be ahead of him on their depth chart come playoffs? 
here's the problem. If Samsonov does not find his game and you want to go with Joseph Wall and we all assume Joseph Wall's coming back and we all assume that, hey, he should be able to kind of pick up where he left yeah. off and be great. But what happens if he gets hurt again? What are you left with? You have to be sure of the second guy is capable. And to your point, if you're going to spend all this energy and time to keep going back to Samsonov and it doesn't come back, you're not doing Martin Jones any favors helping him get ready just in case he's needed. Well, yeah. I, I'm thinking that that's what I'm saying. I, I, I have no problem. Martin, I, they took Samsonov to arbitration, okay? That shows it's not like, here's the contract. We want you three years at $4 million a year. No, we're not sure about you. We really like Joe Wall, the way he finished up. We like the way you started, but not the way you finished at the end. So you're, I, I say dime a dozen, but basically you're in that category that we can look to replace the Samsonov in the offseason, just like a Peter Morazic or a Matt Murray or, you know, whatever, Jack Campbell, whatever they've had before. So uh, I, uh, again, Kippy, last year, the we always use the one example. It's an inexact science. Who knows? But Sergei Bobrovsky was a healthy non-starter when the playoffs started because that's how he'd been playing. And then all of a sudden, he got hot at the right time. The Leafs just need that one goaltender to do what Eddie Belfour and Cujo did all those years ago in the playoffs and, you know, come up with a not necessarily steal the playoffs for you, but be strong in the playoffs. And if it's Martin Jones, great. If Samsonov gets it together, that's great. I I, I always think when you go down that road and you're not getting it, it's a slippery slope and you don't bounce back, but you never know. And best case scenario, Joe Wall's healthy and he's kicking ass. Yeah. You know, the the one thing I do think is that Samsonov has been good. He's youngish, whatever. Like, you just, I worry about spending an asset because now you're talking about, I think, maybe need to get someone, right? But you need so many holes patched. (laughs) You know, do you want to spend your money to patch that hole when maybe it might fill itself in? But 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 when does that become a real huge concern? Do you think he's still got another month to straighten everything out? Are you comfortable giving him another month to find his game? Some of those goals last night were bad. Yeah, like the one that went through his shoulder? Cannot. And 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 the sliding, the yeah. overplaying, the yeah. the the inability to really control your movements from post to post—that's yeah. a huge concern, guys. He looks like uh, Kippy at Studio Fifty Four in his day in New York. There, all that movement in the crease—that's what I think. Uh, hey, Kippy, <laughs> who are you gonna get though? Okay, you're gonna give a you're gonna give a first round pick like Edmonton did for Dwayne Rollis, and you're gonna get the NHL version of rent a goalie. Okay, like you you know. That's what Tampa Bay looked at when Vasilevsky was injured. I mean, like the elite goaltenders don't move in season generally. Yeah. And and that's so you want another body, you want a David Riddick like they did a couple of years ago, just for depth reasons. You're you're not gonna get the guy that's gonna take you through the playoff run in season. It's gotta be one of those three, Joe Wall, Samsonoff, or Martin Jones. Yeah. All right. Well, we solved nothing there. <laughs> Zero, Gord. Zero. And speaking Kippy. of Studio 54, I'm watching you on the Zoom yeah. call. You got a real party purple shirt on right like now. That. It's kind. It's kind of yeah. It's my. Uh, it's a, sort of my Tommy Bahama Magnum PI when he's retired in the seniors' home kind of shirt that I'm uh, uh, wearing, espousing today. But then, yeah, um, yeah, going to watch hockey and curling later on. And uh, Kippy, great column in the Toronto Star. That was a great column. 
about the uh, the media and just what you know what we talk about, what what the challenge the challenges organizations have nowadays, and and how they have to manage it and handle it, and have the goaltender come out and talk and uh, address things in Chicago when uh, when that's going south. And uh, Jordan Cairo's got to be careful what he says when he makes a remark about Craig Berube. If he said what he said last night, he would have been fine. So anyway, I thought it put a lot of context. And that's that is big. Those are big challenges for players and organizations nowadays, that reality. Just trying to follow in your footsteps uh, as a brilliant writer and an author. And, uh, you know, your book's out now. Looking forward to it. Uh, great Christmas present. Revival. Buy it. Buy it. That's our pitch. Buy it. Buy Revival. And we got Doug McLean in the second hour on this Off the Rails Friday. So uh, he's going to tell us how he's like a world-renowned author as well, Gord. <laughs> Please come back on the show oh, and I save think, us. Well, you can. I got Kipper's book. I've got Justin's book. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's something very satisfying about a, a book nowadays. So, yeah, we all, as we know, we always appreciate you always appreciate the support because it's a labor of love. That's for sure. Always terrific stuff when we come to you, Gord. We really appreciate your time, pal. See you guys. Have a great weekend. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Gordo. Talk soon. Former general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Gord Selleck. Hey, what'd you make of uh, Ryan Reeves' injury? What happened there? Well, he... I, I, not good. I, I, I felt his pain. Yeah. Not only the, the physical one that he absorbed when he hit the boards, but just... You know, hitting a rut and just pulling the full Bambi sometimes on ice. That's how I tore my MCL. I was actually in Hershey. Um, just caught a rut and got hit at the same time with my skate in a rut. And see you later. You know, and I'm, listen, I'm not pointing any fingers at any uh, maintenance people because I've gotten in trouble on a few occasions <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah. No. And the temperature is great in here, by the way. Yeah. Um, but, like, I told you last night, I'm watching the puck blow yeah, up like on a few sticks playing and i'm gravel. like i don't know how i don't know how well how good the ice was last night yeah we're guessing from a distance but it's either a whole bunch of people mishandling pucks at the same time or yeah well i hope he's okay it didn't look very good but uh let's he hope ball there's going some, off the ice good did you news. see that i know this is a weird yeah. one and let me i don't mean the, to like the, zapruder the, the film camera here, but the camera uh just cut away when he was actually going down about six feet off the ice, it's like, and I think it looks. It looked to me like it, something gave out. I'll say it. He went down. He went down, but I something gave an ankle, a knee, a kneecap. Yeah, uh, something. If you don't have a ligament that can, uh, you know, total speculation. We're just like he fell. I don't know. Maybe he just randomly fell, but whatever it was, he didn't need a fall. That is yeah. not, uh, not well Well, once again, uh, well wishes for uh, Ryan Reeves uh, and hope we get some good news uh, yeah. on his injury from last night. Yeah, tough when you're looking for momentum to have to sit out a long time. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. And we were, when we return, uh, Phil Bork will join us as we tee up the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Pittsburgh Penguins, Ooh. Hockey Night in Canada, radio, radio analyst for the Penguins and two-time Stanley Cup champion, Phil Bork next on Real Kipper and Bourne. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All 
All right, to help us tee up the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Pittsburgh Penguins Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. Never gets uh, old talking about Sidney Crosby on a Saturday night. Let's welcome in Phil Bork. Does a terrific job covering the Pittsburgh Penguins. Borky, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Kipper, I'm doing well. Uh, Jason, uh, uh, Justin, I should say. Uh, good to talk to you guys. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, things are things are well. Um, win a couple games, all is well. I'll tell you one thing, though. The one thing about this game, guys, winning is so much more fun than losing. <laughs> man. The Penguins, I tell you what, just the mood around the team. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, even around the offices when you're home in the, at PPG Paints Arena, the mood around Penguiniville is so drastically different when you've won a couple games. Borky, before we get into specifics on the team and what we'll see Saturday night here, um, just talk a little bit about where the fan base or the Pittsburgh Penguins in general, and maybe even we go back before uh, the Kyle Dubas era and the bringing of Carlson. But, you know, here's a team closing in on 20 years with Sidney Crosby. They missed the playoffs last year. Gino went through this window, Malkin, of course, of will he stay? Will he go? Do you want him back? Do you not want him back? Is it over? Is it not over? And... Just where expectations were. We, we thought we were kind of seeing a little bit of an end of an era. And then the Kyle Dubas thing happens. Then Carlson happens. And yet we look at the Metro and they're second last in, in, in the division. So um, where are fans here <laughs> with the Pittsburgh Penguins? Uh, don't forget about the uh, the sell the team to the Fenway Group. Kind of throw that in there too. Sure. You know, I say something on the radio, and people go, "Borky, what do you mean by that?" And I kind of say it tongue in cheek. I say, "We are the Penguinies." What does that mean? That we don't do anything the easy way. I mean, going all the <laughs> way to thirty years ago when I played, you know, Mario went through all his injuries, and uh, it was never easy. It's just the way we do things here. For whatever reason, the names have changed, but. Uh, the way we go about our business has not, nothing comes easy to us. And here we go again. Uh, so to answer your question, the fan base is really on the fence with this team, I think, as giddy with excitement because what was they were hoping to happen here. Uh, but it's it's been of a little of a, a little bit of frustration, to be honest with you, because of the inconsistencies of not only the special teams, but the star players. Uh, not getting enough scoring from your depth guys. Uh, the one thing that's been the constant, though, that has been a, a breath of fresh air and a pleasant surprise is the consistency of the goaltending because that's been a point of controversy and nobody really knew how good Alex Nedeljkovic could be, could be. And he's been rock solid. It's been a nice one-two, if you will, with Tristan Jari. And I think they have quietly pushed each other to be better goaltenders. So that has been a strong point for the Penguins. But... The short answer is that there's a little bit of frustration from the fan base because they expected this team, the way it's been orchestrated and designed by Kyle, uh, that they should be better than they are right now. And, you know, part of that is very similar to how Dubas had the Leafs kind of structured where you have a number of big name stars who are expected to sort of drag the team into it. I, uh, I did the game against Montreal the other night, and, like, Sidney Crosby's still Sidney Crosby. My God, Jake Gensel's brilliant, like, the work ethic and smarts. They got all these pieces. Give me an update on Malkin, because I thought he was pretty bad in that one particular game. His season is still pretty good, yep. 10 goals, 24 points. Where is he at in his ability to help yeah. drag a team somewhere? 
it's frustrating for Gino right now. He's got yeah. seven games without a goal, just one in his last 11. He came out of the gate absolutely firing five goals in his first seven games. But here's the thing with Gino. And I mean, I've been around for day number since day number one for Gino. When he's playing his best guys, he is playing north. Forget about this north south. It's north. It's to the net. And um, Riley Smith was really good for him early on because they were both. It's almost like Riley was telling Gino, "Hook your wagon to my wagon and let's go. Let's get to the net." Something I don't know if it's it's since there's been a kind of a rotation on the right side, a different winger almost every other game, uh, but they started going east west. And when both of those players started going to East-West, the goals just kind of dried up for both of them. So it, it's frustrating. that I don't know if that's a great answer, if it answers your question. Uh, but the, I've, I've noticed with Gino, when he does this, when he starts going East-West, he's trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. He cares so much. And it's frustrating if you don't watch him on a regular basis and you watch him in just that game in Montreal, you're like, he wasn't good. Right. He wasn't good at all. Uh, and But it's it's him trying too hard. He cares so damn much. But sometimes his, his heart's in the right, right place, but his compass is pointed in the wrong direction. Got to ask you about Eric Carlson and just the overall impact. And sure. again, talking about the, the game the other night, the, the David Savard first goal was a tape-to-tape by, by Carlson, unfortunately, to the wrong guy. Uh, but like, should anybody be really surprised on, on how he just, I don't know, I don't know if I'm saying it hard <laughs> enough. The struggles of his defensive game is that like, should they be surprised? Should Kyle, like you traded for that. We've seen it yeah. throughout his career. Like what were you expecting Kyle? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nikki, the way you were kind of stumbling and bumbling to get those words yes. out of your mouth about Kyle. I'm the same way, man. I get like, you try to find the words. How do you describe Eric Carlson? Now, I play with a guy like Paul Coffey. You and I both play with a guy like Brian Leach, who had some risk, some gamble in their game, but they also knew the situations. And that's where, uh, for the choice of better words, I have a problem with Eric Carlson's game, or I think he needs to make that adjustment. It's situational hockey. You know, if you were just down two goals and you battled back to make it 2-2, I don't think you can play like you're down five goals. And... He plays this high-risk style no matter what the score is. And he's unapologetic about it, and, and that's fine because he, he oozes with confidence. I don't know if there's another player in the league that just fires away off the seat of his pants and, and plays off of instinct the way that Eric Carlson does. There are some pluses to that, but also I think in the long run, it might work in some games against some weaker teams or or, or, or just because he's so damn talented. But you're not going to win in the long run playing that way. That's that's the end of the story. And so I think some tweaks and adjustments. Listen, he's in- incredibly talented, probably end up in the Hall of Fame sure. uh, for all the Norris trophies that he won. But at the end of the day, if you can have 15 Norrises on your mantle, who gives a hoot, right? Because the ultimate goal is to win the Stanley Cup, and you got to play the right way. And I'm not saying he plays that way all the time, but when he gets into that that mode of, Go, 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 go. I'm going for it no matter what the score is, no matter what the situation is, no matter who I'm on the ice with or who I'm on the ice against. I think you got to kind of, you got to kind of bundle that up a little bit because it can be too high risk at times. 
So you got him doing that. We know Latang is a great offensive defenseman as well. In the offseason, Dubas uh, also went out and got one of his big moves is Ryan Graves, a uh, guy who makes four and a half till, you know, for six years or something like that. How has his addition to the Penguins gone so far? I think he plays top pair with Latang by and large. Yeah, and just real quick, I don't know if you're going to ask me about Crystal Tang, but he's been unbelievable. If you want me to talk about sure. him, I'd be Let's more hear. than happy to. But yeah, <laughs> he's been unbelievable. Yeah, uh, it, maybe his numbers don't bear out, but this is the best. I've been watching Crystal Tang for years, and at yeah. times he would drive me crazy because he would kind of play that little bit of high risk style. This is the best year I've ever seen him play. He is an absolute beast out there, uh, and his numbers don't bear out. And he probably won't even get a, a vote for the Norris, but. I don't think he cares. I think when Eric Carlson came in, I think it was almost a relief for him that he doesn't have to drive the offense anymore. He's been incredible on the PK, and it, this is as well-rounded a crystal Tang I've ever seen him. But but as far as Ryan Graves, who's been paired with Tanger all year, he's been good, uh, but I think he needs to be better, uh, more consistent. And to be honest with you, at 6'5", 215, 220, I know it's not in his DNA, but he's got to be a son of a you-know-what. I think that you got to you got to get outside your comfort zone a little bit, Gravy, yeah. and you've got to be a real Richard on the ice, if you know what I mean, uh, because, because we need it. We don't have enough of it on the backside. We brought in John Ludwig, who's brought some jam back there. But at the end of the day, if you want to really win a Stanley Cup, you got to maybe get punched in the face a few times, maybe get two in, take three. You know, like he, he, when you're that big and you're going to be playing the minutes with Chris Letang, you got to be more of, of a disturber out there. And so that's a long-winded uh, answer to your short question. But at the end of the day, he's been good for the most part. But you know there's another level for Ryan Graves and he needs to get there. Really speaks volume of the character of Latang to watch a guy like uh, Carlson come yeah. in and, and not – Be better. Right? And, and be okay with that. Be better. And, and, and still uh, bring the best out of your game. So that's, uh, that's great insight uh Borky but you know when it comes to Latang and and Crosby man they've got the recipe they they, they know yeah. how, what it takes to win can they not influence if 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 Crosby can't influence Carlson on how to play the right way then I'm sorry yeah. nobody can no you're right yeah uh I I guess it falls on Mike Sullivan right at the end of the day I mean he's the general Right. Uh, and that's you got to find a way. And that's the challenge uh, of coaching superstar players is to get them to buy in, to play the right way on a consistent basis. It, it shouldn't fall on Sid, just like it shouldn't ever fall on Mario back in the day. Um, you know, sometimes your teammates can give gentle reminders. But at the end of the day, it's, it's got to come from the head coach uh, to hold that player accountable to. Yeah. I, and Mike Sullivan says, I don't want to take the stick out of their hands. I get that, but still, if 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 they're running into a different pasture than all the other horses and it's disruptive to the, the main goal of playing the right way to win a Stanley Cup, then then the hard conversation needs to be had. And it's better to have it now than to wait till February and March to have it because then maybe that ship has sailed. Okay, you brought up Mike Sullivan. Uh, we listened to uh, Kyle Dubas last week talk about his yep. coach and give the re- reinforcement, but... There's a lot of general managers that probably wouldn't have even touched the the topic just to not draw attention to it. Like, are people saying it's maybe time for a coaching change because this is regarded as one of the best coaches for the last 10 years? 
Well, when you go through a, a losing spell like we went through, it, it doesn't matter who you are. The whispers are going to be out there. And, and social media all, all of a sudden has some, some flex, some muscles, right? Uh, and if it got back to Kyle, I, I'd rather the general manager get out there, get ahead of it, and just say, hey, whatever people are saying and whispering about, stop it. This is a guy. This is the guy that we are going to stick with, and he is going to be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Period. End of story. And then you just you stop talking about it, right? Because you're like, okay, we know Fenway's behind him. Now we know the general manager is behind him also. So uh, he is the guy. I mean, here's the other thing that I tell people all the time. Okay, let me entertain your thoughts and your frustrations. Penguins aren't winning enough. Um, let's get rid of Sully. You want to get rid of Sully and bring in who? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I can't hear you. <laughs> you say well, now it's Barubi. No, come Kipper. on. Like, no, but to bring in a better coach than Mike Sullivan, he's one hell of a coach. He's a bit of old school. Um, but again, it's a challenge when you're coaching this many personalities, egos, whatever you want to call it, guys, they're superstars. It's not that easy, man. But that's the challenge for Mike Sullivan. And yeah, the sand is going through the hourglass with these guys. I mean, Tanger and Sid, they're 36. Gino's 37. There's, there's no time for nicey-nicey uh, to sit and wait and, and for these guys to, to get it together. If that hard conversation needs to be made, it needs to be na- made now. And forget about hurt feelings. So, Borky, where do the ta- the Penguins fit into the Metro division by true talent? I look at goal differential. If you look at the end of the year, goal differential is like the separator between playoffs and not. They're plus sure. nine. Ahead of them are the Devils at minus two, Capitals minus nine, Islanders minus three. Like, they're not a seventh-place team in the Metro, are they? No, they're not. And they're still within striking distance. And with all the ups and downs that they've had, uh, they're still with one, four points of a, a wild card spot, six points from being second in the Metro. So it's, it's all right there for them on the table. And you look, they got the Leafs on Saturday, they got Minnesota, uh, then they got Carolina at home, and then they go into Ottawa and they got St. Louis and the Islanders to close out 2024. So it's all on the table for them to get right into the hunt. Uh, but you're right. The one that that's kind of skews that number a little bit is they had that 10 to two win in San Jose. Uh, so that plus eight, if you take that out of the mix, um, you sure. know, they've kind of been wishy-washy, if you will. Uh, they understand they're all big boys. And you, if you talk to them about, they don't sugarcoat it. They don't sweep it under the rug. They know we have not been good enough and we got to get our act together. And the one guy, right. You brought him up early. The one guy that is the constant, the guy that just keeps dragging everybody into the fight, dragging everybody up the standings is 87. You just you just can't believe the way this guy battles and finds way to put pucks in the net, finds way to, to have that yin and the yang with Jake Gensel, the great chemistry. And really, there's been a rotation. It looks like Ricard Raquel might be back tomorrow night and be up there with Sidney Crosby. And, and you wonder if they can catch lightning in a ball because Rax has not scored yet this year in the 17 games he's played. But Sidney Crosby has been the guy, the one constant, as well as I mentioned the goaltending, the one constant that's been able to keep the Penguins in this fight. He looks like he's 25 years old. I, I mean, know, he, Nick, he's worth the price of admission right by himself. But I don't have to tell you guys, and I use this saying all the time, I'm going to use it again, so I apologize if you heard it before. When preparation meets opportunity, that's when you have success. And Sid is pre- preparing for this since he was, what, 12, but also in the offseason, game day routines, everything he does 
to keep his body peak, to keep his mind peak, and to keep that stoking that competitive fire that he keeps white hot all the time. We are so damn lucky to have him oh. here because you never want to think of what if you know he he wasn't here because he's the guy that keeps every time this team dips down, eighty seven rises up and keeps dragging them back into the fight. Let's get the puck drop right now. I, I want to watch him. I want to watch Sid. I want to watch Sid versus the Leafs. Hey, Borky, we asked you to help us tee up the game, and you did that and some more. Thanks for doing this, pal. All right, guys. I enjoy it. Thanks, Borky. Really good time. Good time. Stanley Cup good champion. Phil Bork. <laughs> yeah, bud. You know, and he's been there, done that. Yeah. You, can, you can just listen to him and, and, and get a sense that he knows – he knows what it takes to win. The most telling answer is the one on Carlson where you're trying not to say this guy is a defensive liability. He's trying not to say he's a liability because he's so good at what he does, you know, creating offense, making passes, setting people up, producing offense. But at some point, you need to be able to adjust your risk slider. Okay. A little. We're going to wrap up this hour. We're going to thank Gord Stellick and Phil Bork for joining us in, in the second hour. Back. Tell us. What week it is for his his book's bestseller. Is this still in the bestseller? I don't He's know. Coming. He's going to tell us all about it. Doug McLean, Off the Rails Friday. It's a whole new level in the National Hour. Don't go away. Plenty more, including Jordan Cairo. Wow.